You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Well, I couldn't decide what topic to hit for the podcast today, so instead I'm going to run through three topics as quickly as I can. This is a total rush job, I have to be honest with you. We'll, we'll talk about uh, how healthcare laws get people pregnant. We'll talk about why you are racist and we'll talk about why you have to pretend that all cultures are equal so that you won't be racist even though you are racist anyway just inherently anyway we'll just we'll just get into it so the the um uh, first the congressional budget office released on monday its report about the gop's health care bill and i'm not going to get into breaking down the financials of the health care bill or what the cbo had to say i'll leave that to someone else Instead, I want to focus on something that um, got a little more attention the following day on Tuesday from liberals. And here, I'll I'll just read the headline to you from Vox, okay? The headline is, CBO, according to the CBO, the GOP health bill would cause, now pay attention to the wording here. It's very important. GOP health bill would cause several thousand unintended births by defunding Planned Parenthood. The health bill will cause babies to be born. Cause. Do you see? The bill is going to impregnate women. Now, the bill, not to be confused with Bill, like Bill Clinton. He's probably done that many times. The bill, the piece of legislation, according to liberals, is somehow going to cause women to become pregnant. Now, I am opposed. I am firmly opposed, opposed to pieces of legislation impregnating women. It is unconstitutional. Um, I'm in favor of an amendment to the Constitution that will make it clear that women have a right to not be impregnated by legislation. Now, the uh, Vox goes on to explain, I'll read a little bit of the article, um, CBO expects the change would make it more difficult for women who are low income or in rural areas to access care. Estimated that 630,000 women would lose access to care should Congress cut off funding to the clinics. Um, Planned Parenthood is undeniably a huge provider of birth birth control, preventive screenings, and other services for low income women. Notice how they they don't even list services. Uh, Abortion is just other services. It's where they make the lion's share of their income 
aside from government funding. But it's just it's just other services. Um, researchers at the Guttmacher Institute estimate blah blah blah. Uh, it's places like this where CBO expects Planned Parenthood's loss of federal funds to have the most severe impact and to leave patients little options to seek similar care elsewhere. Leave patients little options. Shouldn't it be few options? Fewer options? So options are, th- you know, if you multiple options or few, little would be if, anyway. Um, here again, we see how women are infantilized by feminism. As if a woman, all joking aside, I don't think, now the way the headline makes it sound, it makes it sound like they're claiming that the bill itself will impregnate women. But that it doesn't appear to be what they're saying. But what they're actually saying isn't any less ridiculous. As if a woman would be utterly perplexed in figuring out how to avoid getting pregnant if the government stops being Planned Parenthood's sugar daddy. As if those two things are automatically connected. And by the way, this leaves completely to the side the fact that we're putting forth the birth of new humans as some sort of cataclysmic event. As some sort of terrible uh, outcome. Oh, more, more people will exist. More people. Can you imagine? that This might end with more people existing on earth. It's not that they're worried that a bill will kill people, but they're worried about the opposite. They're worried that it won't kill people. They're worried that they may have to share the planet with more humans. But even leaving that to the side, because you have to pick and choose which element of insanity to address with liberals. Uh, So just focusing on this kind of step process that feminists have proposed here. Government passes some kind of law or repeals a law or whatever, and, and boom, next step, just like that, women are pregnant. But there is, you know, there is another way, and I'm not even talking about buying your damn birth control yourself, which is also an option if that's what you want to do. But even aside from that, I think there's a better option for anyone who doesn't want to have a baby. Um, and and that's, uh, particularly if you're not married, and that's this. You don't have sex. That is an option, you know. That is an option to not have sex. If you can't handle the possibility of a baby, then you don't have to have sex. And that's why when we say, well, the Planned Parenthood is defunded and then babies are born, women are pregnant, are born, that leaves out a middle step. So you're cutting out the middleman. And the middle step is women have sex with men. Okay, getting into the birds and the bees here a little bit, but this is how it works. Women have sex with men and then babies are conceived through that physical union. And so if you don't do that, then there won't be any babies. And and here's the thing. No bill that is being written or has ever been written in America forces women to have sex, right? Now, I know the argument is that it's unrealistic to ask people 
to exercise basic control over themselves. And I understand that it is hard legitimately uh, to to exercise control. You know, self-control is a difficult thing, especially in this day and age. But you can't rule this out as an option. You can't just completely rule out the option of people controlling themselves. Because once you've done that, then it's kind of, it's game over at that point. It's like what, what once you have basically said, human beings are animals and there's, we cannot control ourselves even a little bit. Well, then there's not a lot that the law can do or the government can do to facilitate things or make things easier. If we're just like total animals and we cannot control ourselves, we have ruled out even the possibility of controlling ourselves. But okay. If you want this phrase more positively, people like things to be more positive. Well, let's put it this way in a positive light, have all the sex you want. And then babies won't be such an apocalyptic, terrible thing if you're married, hopefully. So those are two, you know, one option is don't have sex if you don't want to have babies. Option related to that, second option is related, get married and then it's, you don't have to worry about it as much. All right. So that was uh, liberal insanity item number one. Let's move on to number two. There's this meme that's been going around, a meme about um, about how to actively reject white privilege. It's a 10-step process, and uh, let me just read. I'm going to read some of these for you. And, and, um, and uh, 10 ways you can actively reject your white privilege. Number one, take up minimal space during anti-racism dialogues and protests. Number two, stop contributing to gentr- gentrification and calling it urban development. Never invite people of, co- of color to the table for the sake of claiming diversity. Which, so I guess what they're saying is we shouldn't have affirmative action then, because that's what affirmative action is. Number five, refrain from using your non-white friends as your urban dictionary. Number six, stop lifting up non-confrontational people of cover, color as examples of what people of color activism should be. Okay. All right. Um, so in other words, if you have uh, two activists who are black and one is uh, burning a building down and the other one is just peacefully engaging in a dialogue with another person, you should not, you, you should, you should actually, what you should do is you should point to the person burning the building down and saying they're an example of what black activism looks like. Because remember, this is the non-racist way of doing it. The non-racist way, according to this, the non-racist way is to take the violent confrontational activists and say that they're an example of what black activism is. That's the non-racist way, according to uh, this meme. Number seven, call your friends, family, and coworkers out on racism, even if a person of color isn't in the room. So be the racism police. You got it? Anytime you sense out racism, just all the things, just constantly. But now keep number seven in mind, okay? Anytime you see racism, call it out. And keep that in mind when we get to number 10. Okay, number eight. Understand that all anti-racism work doesn't look the same and advocate accordingly. Number nine, realize that all discussions about race aren't for you and be okay with it. So shut your mouth, Whitey. Now, number 10, recognize that you're still racist no matter what. 
<laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You could do all the things that you were just instructed to do by this meme, and you will still be racist. It doesn't matter. So keep that in mind, and then go back to number eight, um, or number seven. Call out your friends and family and coworkers on racism. So, but the, they're all racist. Everyone, you're inherently racist, no matter what. Everybody's racist. So essentially, they think you should be just constantly lecturing just every second of the day because they're all racist. Every second of the day, you should be lecturing your family, friends, and coworkers about their racism until you are utterly disowned from the family and nobody wants to go near you because you're literally the worst person to be around. Now, um, rather than breaking down each point because who has time for that or interest, Here's the point to, uh, to make here. For being the ones who constantly complain about shaming, it's remarkable that liberals do so much of it themselves. But they do the exact wrong kind of it, don't they? There are, um, you know, there are things that a person ought to be ashamed of, like a person who participates in a slut walk should feel ashamed. But should you be ashamed of the color of your skin? No. Should you be ashamed of harboring racist racist views that you don't actually harbor? No. So listen, if your goal is to bring down the white man, to bring down the white devil, if that's your, your goal, and it's an admirable goal, don't get me wrong, it's an admirable goal because the white man has just ruled for far too long in our society, hasn't he? But, um... If that's your goal, you might have some success if you're riling up other races and getting them to hate whitey. You know, obviously that strategy has proven pretty effective. But um, this this other strategy of of trying to instill self-loathing into white people. Well, that may work with a few of us, but it's never going to catch on. It's never we're all just laughing at this. Telling us that we're racist, giving us these long list of rules we should follow and then telling us that no matter what, even if we follow them, we are all racist scumbags regardless, no matter what. That's just, it's not going to catch on. It's not going to happen. Stop trying to make that happen because it's not going to. It's not, it's not natural. You know, it's, first of all, we, we recognize it inherently as not true. So we know whether we're racist. And if we're not racist, you could tell us we're racist all day long. We're not going to believe it. Only the most, only the most um, vulnerable, intellectually vulnerable and gullible and dumbest among us will be able to, will be convinced that they are racist when they actually aren't because you screamed it at them enough times. But most of us will just, we're never going to accept it because we know it's not true. And it's, it's just not, it's not a natural thing. To, to, to try to get an entire race of people to walk around constantly ashamed of their race. It's not going to, you know, it just, it never works. And it's not going to work in this case. So I don't know what to tell you. Think of a new strategy because this one isn't catching on, but it does provide a lot of comedy for us. So maybe, maybe I should encourage you to keep doing it. All right. Finally, Representative Steve King, somewhat related, I guess. Representative Steve King got himself into some hot water over the weekend when he tweeted something. He uh, tweeted something controversial. And this, of course, is about it's about 35% of all news now. 35% of all news is reporting on something that someone said on Twitter that was you know unpleasant or unpopular. Oftentimes, it's the president saying it, but not always. 
And this is what the news is now. Just, oh, this person said this on Twitter. So you probably heard about this. Steve King sent out a tweet. His, in his original tweet, he said that uh, we have to understand that culture and demographics are our destiny. We cannot restore our civilization with somebody else's babies. That's what, um, that's what Steve King said. And this is what got the pitchfork mob started up. And I'm not really interested in dissecting the ins and outs of the tweet. That's been done to death, as is always the case. No one cares anymore anyway. People on Monday were devastated by this tweet. It was just the worst thing they've ever seen. It was so horrible. And, and then the very next day, everyone had moved on and found something else to complain about. Had already forgotten about it. That's how it works. Anyway, this continued on, and, and he went to, uh, he expanded on his thought in a few interviews uh, after that tweet. Went on various news shows to explain what he meant. And this is where we get to the topic of our discussion here. Uh, I'm just going to read from a, a Daily Beast article or just read the title of a Daily Beast article about one of these interviews that King did. The title was, Representative King, Some Cultures Don't Fit in America. This is a, a quote. This, this, this was the headline of the Daily Beast article, and it was quoting Steve King, saying that some cultures don't fit in America. And this was supposed to be this shocking, horrible statement, right? That some cultures don't fit here. I just want to latch on to that topic because this is a theme that Steve King has hit on many times and obviously offends a lot of people and they accuse them of being racist. And, uh, it, it, but this is a theme that a lot of people have been talking about and, and you're always accused of racism when you say it. You know, we're supposed to say that all cultures are welcome. All cultures are welcome and they're all equal and they're all great and we want to have them all here. So let's first of all begin by establishing something, something that hardly even needs to be established, I think, but because we all know it. But let's say it anyway, that if Steve King were a politician in a non-white, non-Western country, say he was an official in Nigeria or India or South Korea or something, and he said the exact same kind of thing, if he said either what he said in the tweet or about the cultures, if he said that his country, Nigeria, India, whatever, can't be sustained by foreigners and must be sustained by the repopulation of its own people. If he said that not all cultures fit in the culture of his, of his home country, if such a statement were made in such a place and such statements are made all the time in these places and enforced by law in these places. But when that happens, these fragile white liberals in America, they have no problem with it in that case, do they? Yet, yet they won't allow anyone in this country to make a similar point. Why is that? If it's inherently bigoted for a person to put his own country above others in terms of priorities, to wish that, that his people, his countrymen would sustain the civilization through, through reproduction rather than relying totally on immigration, if such a thing is bigoted, then it's bigoted in every case, isn't it? And if you don't condemn it in every case, then you're guilty of something called the bigotry of low expectations because you're saying, in effect that people in Nigeria and India can't be expected to meet our enlightened first world standards. What you're saying is that it's wrong for Steve King to say what would not be wrong for someone in Nigeria or India to say, because Steve King is held to a higher standard and he should know better. Whereas these other people over there, they don't know better. That's the bigotry of low expectations and liberals are guilty of it through and through. Now, by the way, the bigotry of low expectations, that's the white liberals are guilty of that. Now, when you have a, uh, a black liberal 
who says, well, white people aren't allowed to say this thing or express this view that I express all the time. That's just, that's just a plain old double standard. But either way, I don't subscribe to it. And I, as a white person, I think it's perfectly acceptable and normal for a person who uh, lives in another country to want to achieve some kind of national identity and then to protect and sustain that identity. And moreover, if I were to move for some reason to Nigeria or India or Sudan, which I don't see happening, but if I were to, to move, I would totally accept and embrace the fact that they want me at a, to a certain extent to conform to their culture and their way of life because it's their culture and their country and their way of life. And if I was not prepared to conform to it, I wouldn't move there. In fact, if I were to move there, I imagine that would be one of my primary incentives of doing so. In other words, if I really can't stand, if I hate Indian culture, I, I would never move there, would I? So if I do, then that's a statement that I embrace and accept this culture and I want to be a part of it. And if, if in fact I've moved there and I don't embrace it, I don't accept it and I don't want to be a part of it, then I shouldn't be there. That's how it goes in any country. That's how it would go in India or Nigeria. And that's how it should go here. This does not make me a white nationalist because I'm talking about America. And when I say we, I mean Americans, black, white, or otherwise, which is what Steve King meant. Black people are a part of the national identity. I don't deny that. Um, I don't hear very many people denying that. I mean, there are some actual white nationalist racists out there, but they're a very small group. The rest of us aren't denying it. But in order to call, in order for me to say, oh, black people are a part of our national identity, which they are, but I can only say that if I believe that we have a national identity, because if we don't have a national identity, then what does it mean to say that they're a part of it? What are they a part of exactly? All right, so that's established. Then here's the other thing. Let's go to the title of the Daily Beast article, uh, which, remember, said, you know, King, Steve King says, not all cultures are a fit in America. Shocking and upsetting, right? A shocking and upsetting statement. Well, it may be, but it's also true. And who could deny it? Many people do deny it, but they look absolutely absurd in doing so. The only way to suggest that all cultures are a fit in America is to say that America has no identity and cannot have one. It's to say that we really are and should be a chaotic mishmash of unassimilated peoples all living clumsily and awkwardly together with absolutely no common goals, priorities, ideas, ideals, outlooks, etc. It's to say that even, for instance, a basic belief in human rights is not and should not be a part of our identity because we don't have an identity. It's to say that a belief in the full personhood of women is not and should not be a part of our American identity because we have no identity, according to you. But who believes that? I mean, even the most, the most liberal person would agree, wouldn't, wouldn't he, at the very least, that uh, women are people and that treating them as people is a part of our identity or at the very least should be? Well, guess what? Not everyone, not all cultures believe that. And so if we're saying that that belief is central to our identity, which I think it is, then what about a culture that rejects that central tenet of our culture? Well, then that would be a culture that doesn't fit here. Now, second point, this follows from the first. It's very important. Not all cultures are created equal. What is a culture? Let's start with that. A culture is 
the set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize a country or institution. Um, all of these attitudes and values and practices cannot be equal. Must we respect all attitudes just because they're shared by a mass of people in a certain part of the world? Must we respect all practices? Should we respect the belief that that gays should be tossed from buildings, infidels should be beheaded, adulterous women should be stoned to death, as is the current set of attitudes and practices found in many Muslim countries? And if we don't respect those practices and attitudes, then we must recognize them as inferior do we not? That's what it means to, 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 to not respect something. It means that you see it as inferior, base. Some cultures are inferior, more base, more primitive, more wicked, more violent, more brutal, less conducive to peace and prosperity. That's very clear. Um, and it's not just some of these Muslim cultures, but if you find a culture of loincloth wearing pagans living in the rainforest, still dying of diseases that the modern world cured 2000 years ago, it's fair to say that this is in many ways an inferior culture to our own. It doesn't mean that the people are less human than us, but it does mean that they're, they're still equal in, um, in uh, God's eyes, equal in human dignity and worth. But their set of attitudes, values, beliefs, and practices and accomplishments are in many, many, many ways beneath our own. And I say this as someone who is not a big fan of our culture, as it currently is. Uh, I wish very much that there were a culture better than ours in the world because ours is pretty bad right now, mostly thanks to, thanks to 50 years of progressive infiltration in all of our major institutions. I think most of the West is suffering uh, from a disease, a, a spiritual disease. And so that's a, that's a big problem in our culture. But we know about the problems in the cultures of the, of the Middle East. And um, I can't think of an Asian country that I'd rather live in really and and, and and many are not entirely free of the debauchery and excesses that characterize our own some suffer more from them arguably like uh, like japan and even if you go south of the border you'll find many countries that have many of our vices many of our modern western vices and also suffer from the same spiritual disease i mean i just read a story about down in argentina these uh, radical feminists who staged a mock a woman came out dressed as the Virgin Mary and they staged a mock abortion of Christ in front of a cathedral in Argentina. Now these are, so when I say that they suffer from a lot of the same spiritual illnesses as us, not only do they suffer from them, but in many cases they have them worse than we do. Like even our feminists aren't doing that yet. So unfortunately in many of these countries south of the border, they have a lot of the same problems as us culturally speaking. Yet on top of that, they're also collapsing from within their institutions have failed Drug cartels are running the show. Duffel bags full of severed heads can be found by the sides of the roads, etc. So that's the situation in the world right now. What I'm saying is that I, as big a critic of our culture as I am, being that I don't think it's anywhere close to ideal, I still would say that not all cultures are equal. And many cultures are clearly inferior to our own because they suffer from some, a lot of the same problems but don't have hardly any of the same benefits. I'm only able to criticize our culture because cultures are things that can be criticized and they only can be criticized because they can be judged against an objective standard. It's not all relative. And if we can judge them against an objective standard and we can say that this one is better than this one and this one, you know, and so on. The good part of that is it means that hopefully these are problems that can be addressed and that cultures can be improved. I certainly hope cultures can be improved. Because I want ours to be drastically improved. And that's what I'm fighting for. So all cultures are not created equal.
And to argue otherwise is simply not. All right. So I got all through all those. Uh, got through all three of those in a little less than 30 minutes. Pretty good. Pretty good timing. All right. I'll talk to you guys next time. Acruce Salus. Godspeed.